Working Fans Podcast. Cool. Yep. All right, here we go. Coming down three, two. And at the Working Fans Podcast, this is just a podcast that three lifelong fans created to have a place to talk comedy and pro wrestling. Now, our comedy podcast releases every Tuesday, while our wrestling podcast releases every Thursday. We release bonus episodes under the moniker Working Fans Presents every now and then. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, any major podcast provider. The important thing is just please like, rate, review, subscribe wherever you listen to us. Now, we have started a new thing. We are now on Amazon and Audible. So those episodes release every Monday. And that's kind of going through the archives and just releasing our old episodes in a new area. So if you want to live through the process with us again, take that journey with us again. You can find us over on Amazon and Audible. If you can't get enough of us in the audio form, check out our YouTube. It's youtube.com slash C slash Working Fans Wrestling Pod, or just search Working Fans Podcast on YouTube. We have the whole archive is up there. And if you listen to the Working Fans Podcast, you are more than familiar with the 531. That is our signature segment where we take your top five list on a particular subject, vote it down to a top three, and then debate it down to a top one. If you want to hear three guys talk shit about comedy, wrestling, life, anything, you will enjoy the Working Fans Podcast. Find us on Twitter, that's at fansworking. Facebook, Working Fans Pod. We've got email where you can reach out to us and please contact us to let us know what you think of the podcast and for any ideas that you might have. That's workingfanswrestlingpod at gmail.com. We're on Instagram where you can keep up with us at workingfanswrestling underscore pod and we can continue to do what we love and bring you guys in as fans. We want to take a minute to thank our newest sponsor on the show, 482 Designs. That is F-O-U-R, the numbers 82designs, 482designs. You can find them on Facebook by looking up F-O-U-R, 82designs, at F-O-U-R, 82designs on Instagram. And if you want to email them, go to F-O-U-R, 82designs at gmail.com. Pretty soon, we're going to be rolling out some high-quality T-shirts and stickers that were just done by the sponsor. Please check them out for any of your screen printing needs. First off, it's light years better than our first one. Also, we divide the washer and dryer. They look good, and they're good quality. Nice. And those stickers before Paco chewed them up were amazing. And luckily, we'll be getting some more in, hopefully, before we start selling them to fans. But that's F-O-U-R-8-2 Designs. All right, everybody. It's the Working Fans Podcast with the man they call Dave. And today, I got a special guest, comedian, who's been doing this for about 11 years. He's also the host of a podcast called Paranormal Story. And we'll talk to him about all those things today. Tom Stewart. Tom, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you for having me. Not a problem. Appreciate it, man. So uh, I'll start off. What sucked you into comedy? Oh, you know, it's one of those stories where it was something I always wanted to try. Became a bucket list type of thing. And then I uh, 
one day somebody talked me into taking a comedy class. And next thing I knew, I was performing every weekend. And I've been doing it now for, you know, like 11 and a half years. Awesome. Now, how was the comedy class in terms of preparing you for actual stand-up? I, I thought it was pretty good. I was in a class. It was taught by uh, Frank O'Donnell uh, in Rhode Island, who's been, you know, doing comedy forever. And he he really, like, I mean, he knows, you know, he knows what he's doing. So he he taught us joke structure. He taught us performance, stage presence, things like that. And, and it was definitely, you know, I was somebody who had already written lots of jokes and told lots of jokes to people, but it really took me to that next level of being a comedian and not just a funny person. You know, I mean, everything from how to handle the microphone to where to stand on stage, where to look when you deliver a punchline, all those things that people take for granted when they watch comedians, they don't realize that there's a formula to it. Interesting. Okay. I've heard mixed things. Like some guys told me that the best part about it is that you just get reps and it's kind of preparing you, but it sounds like you had a real hands-on infrastructure, like breakdown, everything. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was that too. I mean, it was eight weeks. So it was eight weeks of getting to work on a, a five minute bit. But what I really liked about it too, is that I was in a group of people that was like 18 of us. And it was a group of us who all kind of think the same way. We look at things and find the funny in them. And we were, you know, you're, it's nice to be able to be in a room full of people who are all on the same level like that, you know, and it, it just brings the best out of you. And a few people from that class, I think, still are doing comedy today. Some of them might be anyway. Oh, okay, so that's good. You, had, you ended up getting in like, with the right group of people, too. That's, yeah. that's timing. You can't you yeah. know, plan that. But I know some classes can suck. I mean, a lot of comedy classes and a lot of comedians that say, just go do it. Because some of these classes do suck. Some of these classes are just you know comedians who are trying to make an extra buck. So they'll teach you four or five things that you may or may not be ready to learn. You know, But I was lucky. Yeah, I was in a class where you know, he really took the teaching serious. And, you know, he's helped a lot of people build comedy careers. So, you know, it's all about, you know, which class you go to, I guess. Absolutely. Uh, now, who are some of your influences in comedy? Or at least your style? Yeah, you know, I, I don't think any one particular comedian has influenced my style. When it comes to how I write my jokes, it's like a Jerry Seinfeld type where it's not like I'm doing jokes like him but his writing process is what i really like like he really fine tunes jokes he tries to find just the right word in just the right place he kind of approaches it like like poetry or or songwriting you know and he's i'm like that i'm a write it down type of guy where some comedians can just get an idea and go on stage and just riff it and keep doing it until they find the way they like it where for some reason I can put it on paper and keep rewriting it. And for some reason in my brain, I can find the way that I think it's going to work best. And then I can bring it to stage and try it out. So he's an influence in that sense. On stage, uh, a lot of old school guys for me, like Johnny Carson, people like that who just knew how to deliver a joke, knew how to uh, pause and have good timing, things like that I've always looked for. And when it comes to my actual jokes, uh, most of my jokes end up being... It's funny because whenever I do come up with a new bit, I like to research it and see if there's another comedian who's already pretty much nailed it, you know, because I don't want to seem like I'm trying to pick up their scraps or something, you know, like, you know, like George Carlin, you know, killed it on so many things that, you know, you can't even go near those topics. So whenever I write some jokes, I find Jim Gaffigan has already done a lot of the things that I've thought up and has a lot of the same ideas already, but he beat me to them, you know? <laughs> so people like that are kind of an influence, but I like to think that, you know, I've just been so involved in watching all forms of comedy that I think I've just kind of melded them all together to be my own thing. 
Yeah. Now, would you say you found your own voice as a comedian now too, or is that? And if so, how long? You know, you think that took you? I don't know if I have or not. I, I guess I have. I've been doing it long enough, and I'm being successful with it. But it's, I don't know. I mean, if someone said, "What's your voice?" I'd be like, "I don't know. I really don't mm -hmm. know. I just, I do a lot of jokes that are observational about things people can relate to in life. You know, everything from dating to losing a job to whatever. And I like to embellish things to make them funny. So I don't know if there's a voice there or not. You know, I mean, nothing I'm doing is going to, you know, have an impact like a Dave Chappelle or something like that. I'm just, I just want to make people laugh for, you know, half an hour, 45 minutes. Yeah. Hey, no, there's nothing wrong with that, man. I'll be curious. You said dating. I was just talking to somebody. Now, have you developed any friendships or relationships through comedy? Yeah. Yeah. I've made a lot of great friends through comedy. It, you know, comedy is great like that. It's such a great network of people especially where I am in New England, it, it can be clicky. It's funny. We can be, it can be clicky and we can kind of compete with each other in clicks, but as a comedy community, we will always all come together. It's funny how comedy is like that. You know, you attack one comedian, you've attacked all comedians, you know? Right. But yeah, I mean, I've, I've made friends that I met, you know, 10, 11 years ago that I'm still close with and we help each other out. We help write each other's jokes or we help get each other booked or, or whatever it is. It, it's such a great community to be in. Uh, I love it. You know, I don't know if it's like that everywhere. I've only only worked, you know, and lived in New England doing it. But it, it's really cool here. Hmm. Now, to be a successful comedian, just your opinion, I'm curious. How important is it to like, I don't want to say be completely fearless. I guess obviously you're going to be scared and intimidated by things. But is, it, is that a really big asset to just go on there and just not be afraid of anything and just be willing to push the envelope if you have to? Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. You have to have confidence, not only in your jokes, but in how you look, how you stand on stage, you give out one little ounce of doubt over anything. And the crowd is going to sense that and eat you up, you know? Mm. So you've got to go up there with complete confidence. If you don't think your joke is funny, it's never going to be funny. You have to be completely confident in it being funny. Yeah. So you have to have that kind of confidence, but also I think where a lot of comedians miss out is they're confident on stage, but they're not confident in the business of comedy. Mm. So they're afraid to send out that email to ask for a gig. You know, they're afraid to walk into a club and say, Hey, I, I want to work here. I'm a comedian. You know, uh, most comedians are introverts. Most comedians are suffering from some sort of mental disorder at some point, myself included. So you have to have confidence as a, a business person too, because you're going to be managing yourself until you become, you know, to a certain level. And that's, you know, usually 15, 20 years away, if at all. So yeah, confidence is like one of the most important things, any bit of self-doubt and you're going to get eaten up by the crowd, eaten up by the bookers mm -hmm. and the whole business. It's, it's show business. It's I, probably like that for everyone, probably for musicians, probably for actors and whatever. Yeah. I think anyone in the entertainment field, especially, right. You got to just mm -hmm. an independent contractor in an entertainment field is going to definitely need to look out for themselves big time. Yeah. So that's interesting. So now were you doing anything before comedy? Did you think help prepared you for the business of comedy? A lot of things. First of all, I, I was always a joke writer and yeah. you know, it was usually just among my friends. You know, when I was a teenager, I was writing top 10 lists every week for my friends mm -hmm. and stuff, you know, copying Letterman and stuff. And uh, once the internet came along, I was writing funny blogs. I, w I had a whole website of funny blogs before they were even called blogs. I just 
did them. I was just writing funny things because I knew I could get an audience that way. And then I worked uh, many years in radio and broadcasting, and I was a morning show producer, and I used to write jokes for different morning shows and stuff. So I had that experience. And then I also worked at a strip club for many years as a, as a DJ and an MC. And yeah. that really prepared me for rough crowds because I used mm. to have to, this is, this is interesting and funny because I worked at this strip club and on Friday and Saturday nights, my job was to be the MC. I would just put on a nice suit and walk around the club with a wireless mic and just talk about promos and try to help people find people and stuff. But every hour or so, they would do a special two-for-one dance extravaganza thing. So they would make all the dancers go into the locker room and get all organized. Each one of them gets a T-shirt, and then they would come out for this big presentation before they run off to do their dances. So while that's happening, my job was to go on the main stage at this strip club and work the crowd for like five or ten minutes until the girls were all organized to come out. So picture that, you know, a club full of like 300 drunk, horny guys all the naked women are gone and I'm on the stage. <laughs> right, you know? right, right. So right. obviously I'm getting heckled from every compass direction. Mm-hmm. And that was really, really intimidating at first, the first couple of times. But some of the bouncers who knew me knew that I was funny. They knew I was very quick and, and witty. So they took me aside one night and they said, hey, give your shit right back to them. We'll have your back if somebody tries something. He's, they were like, but uh. just do your thing. And then once I knew I had the confidence of that, I got on stage and I would just basically do crowd work for 10 minutes to the hecklers. And before you knew it, the time flew by and then the naked girls were back and everybody was happy. So that was a real big, like, you know, pushing me into the deep end of the pool and learning how to swim before I even had to do comedy. (laughs) Yeah, that's great. No, I mean, what a way to develop thick skin. (laughs) You Mm -hmm. know, like you're getting it worse. But also, too, again, timing, too, right? The bouncers and everything, too, had your back and they let you know. Like, yeah. That's cool. That Yeah. Yep. That's a good ace of yep. this hole. I, I think they kind of uh, were hoping I would start some fights, though, because, you know, those like, <laughs> some of those guys are always looking for it. You know, they're all testosterone yeah. out and wanting to fight. So <laughs> I don't know if uh, it was self-serving or not, but, you know, they, it was a great way to learn to handle hecklers. Right. Yeah. yeah. Now, your podcast, Paranormal Stories. Yeah. How did you, I guess even before we talk about the podcast, were you a fan mm-hmm. or were you always drawn to paranormal activity and stuff like that? Yeah. Yeah. It's called My Paranormal Story and it has <laughs> literally nothing to do, do with comedy. It's just my other interest, my lifelong interest in everything paranormal. I love haunted things, mm-hmm. haunted houses, UFOs, ghosts, all that stuff. And it was something I was always into. I was kind of a kind of like a paranormal investigator when I was a kid, a teenager, exploring places, trying to look for things. You know, I had friends who wanted to do Ouija boards, so I would watch that or the, mm-hmm. we would do seances. And I just wanted to learn more about it and got so interested in it. And then as an adult, I ended up living in a haunted house for a while and had many personal experiences. And that drove me to learn as much about the paranormal as I possibly could. I read so many books, watched documentaries, movies. And then these TV shows started coming out, like Ghost Hunters and Ghost Adventures. And with all my experience and knowledge, I started thinking, I should be like one of these guys. I should be out there helping people who are having situations they don't understand. So long story short, I ended up becoming a paranormal investigator for about seven or eight years. I got out of it, but I've always been involved in it in one way or another. I still do consulting, and I I just realized that I was always telling my stories to people, and I Mm. figured, why don't I do a podcast about it? And then just every episode, I'll tell one of my weird stories from something I've seen or experienced. And so that's what I did a few years ago. I started the podcast, and every month, I tell a couple of different stories 
and uh, and it's really starting to take off. Um, getting lots of downloads, lots of emails and fan mail and stuff. And it's fun because it's just one of those things that I've always loved talking about. One of those things I always loved being involved with. Um, mm. And it's just kind of become its own thing now, which is cool. Not as many hecklers probably too. I imagine people are coming to you because they want to uh, share. <laughs> less hecklers, but still hecklers. There are always those yeah. people out there, you know, who are diehard skeptics and tell you you're crazy because you think ghosts are real or something, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But I, I am yeah. considering, I'm considering trying to tie them both together, comedy mm. and paranormal. I'm thinking of writing like, you know, like maybe 15, 20 minutes of, of jokes that are paranormal related. And maybe I can book myself at all these paranormal expos around the country as, mm. the, you know, the paranormal comedian or something kind of just, Love you it. know, make that my niche and, and make a lot of money and travel. <laughs> I don't know. Good, we'll good business mind. Good business. Yeah, mind, man. yeah, exactly. Right. yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> That's pretty good. So what right now at this point, you've been doing it for about 11 years. Yeah. What would you say are some of your comedy goals at this point? That you, want to do? you know, I had a lot of goals before the pandemic. And then, I don't know, everything just kind of uh, went in a different direction after the pandemic. You know, now I've I've decided over the past couple of years that this is all I want to do. I'm not working anywhere. I'm just going to do comedy for a living. So mm-hmm. my main goal right now is to just make enough money to pay my bills month to month, you know. I mean, before it was, you know, become a big headliner and and go on the road and travel the country and whatnot. And, you know, I, I'd still like to do that, but I'm kind of more focused on just building a, a, a career out of doing this, you know, and being able to pay yeah. my bills. Not every comedian ends up on Comedy Central or HBO specials, but you can still make a, a good living doing this, even if you're not a, a household name. So that's kind of my goal right now. But the way comedy works, it, things just happen to you. You just, Mm. if you're in the right place at the right time, things can just happen for you. You know, you just got to keep getting out there and you just never know what's going to happen. So, you know, so I'm kind of letting it take me where it's going to take me and and not put too much pressure on myself for goals. That's pretty good, man. And if you're enjoying what you're Mm. doing, you know, and man, timing, right? Again, I feel like that's like the third or fourth time we talk. Timing just (laughs) seems to be so important. It really is. And it's not something you can control other than to just always be prepared and always be hustling, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. Now, have you got to, I know you said it's not your main goal right now, but have you got to travel to any places to, because of comedy? Yeah, a few, a few. I mean, I've, I've gone into New York City a couple times. I've done some festivals. So I've done Los Angeles. Um, I've done uh, Palm Springs, places like that. You know, when I get a chance, if I'm, if I'm going to be traveling somewhere, I'll try and hook up with local comedians and get some gigs while I'm in a place. Or uh, I like to, uh, you know, enter comedy festivals and go travel to nice places and kind of make it a vacation slash, you know, a festival of comedy thing. So I kind of do that. It's been a few years since I've uh, gotten out of New England or New York because of everything. But uh, but I do love I love going to different places to do comedy for some reason. Like, I mean, I love doing it around here, but just I don't know, being in a different place. Mm-hmm. Crowds, crowds are different wherever you go. You know what I mean? Like different parts of the country. So it's interesting how some jokes will work better in other places and, and vice versa. Yeah, that, that I've was, noticed anyway. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny you say that because we talk to some, uh, pro wrestlers sometimes on this, and some of the old school pro wrestlers would tell us that if they had different crowds, they would work in different areas of the country. They would have to like change the matchup, whatever they were planning to put on. They would like change it up for the crowd 
And, yep. you know, it, like, it would all depend on the territory you worked in. And I guess I guess it's similar in comedy, right? So depending, I think you it might, might change be. your act up. Yeah, change your act yeah. up. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, a legit road comic would know more about that than me. But I I, I bet there's there's definitely some some situations where as a comedian, you, you're going to be in a certain state or a certain city. And you're like, yeah, maybe I won't do this joke, but maybe mm -hmm. I'll do these other jokes instead. You know, I mean. I don't know. I've never gotten to that point where I've I've had to think about that because I don't I don't go on the road much. But uh, but yeah, I mean that's fun and just the culture of being in different areas because even just the United right. States, there's so many different cultures within our our 50 states that anywhere you go, you're going to be absorbing things, and uh, that helps as a comedian because you got to write jokes about experiences. So absolutely. Now, so are you, does that happen a lot too? Like like some experiences happen to you and like you're immediately just writing it down at that point. I know you said you like to write, so I'm just wondering. Yeah, I try to. I usually use my phone nowadays. It's usually the note section of my phone and if I went through there right now, there's probably like 150, 200 different joke ideas and some of them mm -hmm. I won't even remember what I was trying to get at. I'll read it and be like, "What the hell was the point of this?" Like I don't even remember the premise. You know? <laughs> I, I used to keep a a a pad and pen in my car because for some reason when I'm driving is when I think of most things and it's the worst time to be trying to write jokes like physically right when you oh yeah <laughs> but sometimes just if I can scribble down a keyword so I don't forget it you know or whatever but yeah my brain is always spinning it's always always thinking of stuff mm. and I've I've forgotten so many great jokes I'm sure <laughs> that I just didn't remember them in time enough to get them down on paper do you think a lot of like comedians and maybe creative entertaining people as well are like a little bit ADHD? Because that's been my experience now. I'm starting to realize that people that like to do things that are a little creative. Like we tend to be, you know, all over the place. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think I think you can see that with a lot of comedians, even just by the way they perform too. But yeah, I mean, like I said, most comedians have some sort of a mental issue going mm -hmm. on, or or even a handful of them at the same time. So mm -hmm. yeah, I think it it probably is. I don't think there's too many normal people doing comedy doing comedy out there. Now, now uh, one more question about the paranormal stuff. Do you oh, have yeah. any other goals you want to do with that besides your podcast? And I mean, you talked about maybe combining the two. <clears throat> is there anything else you got planned? Well, yeah, I've got small goals. Like I, I just wrote a book last year. I wrote a book during the pandemic and I'd like to write a couple more books based on paranormal investigation. And right now my goal with that is I just want to keep growing the podcast, see if I can maybe monetize that and turn it into yeah. a business too. And, you know, I, I wouldn't mind if I became some kind of a pseudo celebrity in the field and was able to travel and, and go to expos and sell my books and, pu you know, push the podcast and stuff. You know, I mean, I, I did the investigation thing for many years. I even auditioned for some of the TV shows. But I mean, I know, you know, a lot of the people in paranormal, their goal is to get on a TV show, you know, be the next ghost hunters yeah. or something. And and I've never been like against doing that, but I've never really chased it either. It's always just been kind of like, ah, if that ever happened, it happened. I mean, I was on one show for like seven seconds. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I've done auditions and stuff, but I know people personally who have been on those shows like as cast members and it's not all it's cracked up to be so it's kind of like eh. you know if, if some tv network came to me and said hey uh, do you have any ideas for a tv show and they would let me do whatever i wanted that would be a dream come true you know because i don't like what most of these shows are doing i think there's different directions that you could take this still be entertaining but still also be good for the field of study too uh -huh. um, but, you know, that's more of a, a, a pipe dream. So, you know, my goals are just to, you know, keep spreading my knowledge and telling my stories and entertaining people with it. That's awesome, man. It's good to have these two passions. I hope you can combine them. Now, one other question I meant to ask you before. 
you were talking about during the pandemic. Did you do any of the virtual comedy? And if so, how was that? I didn't. I turned them all down. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't think of anything more miserable than trying to tell jokes to my laptop with people in windows and their dogs barking behind them and their kids screaming or the TV on in the background. And just, uh, I was just like, no, I don't even want to put myself through that. I, I did a couple of outdoor shows, you know, yeah. from under patio tents and stuff. And that wasn't too bad. I was going to do some of those um, drive-in theater style shows, but I ended up never getting on any. But uh, no, I, I was like, I refused all Zoom shows. I was like, I want nothing to do with that. It just, it <laughs> won't work. Maybe it works for some comedians. I just knew it wasn't going to work for me. I really, yeah. um, I really need the energy of a crowd. I really need to be able to see their faces, see them lighting up to the things I'm saying. I kind of work off of that. And you're just not going to get that through a Zoom. Now, are there any interests? I, I didn't know if you have one, but do you have any or any interest in a comedy podcast as well? Yeah, I mean, I, I toyed around with that for a while in my head. And it just seems like the right idea hasn't come to me. You know, like when I do things, you know, when the whole idea of podcasting came around, I resisted it for a while because I, I've, I've done radio. I've, I've got broadcasting experience. But when it came to podcasting, I want to do something that's unique. I don't want to just have me and someone else interviewing people all the time. I seem like I feel like there's just yeah. a lot of those shows and it makes it harder to stand out. You know, I mean, that's basically what you're doing. And so you understand that it's it's hard yeah. to stand out. And, you know, everybody's probably got 10, 15 friends who are all doing the same style of podcast, but with a different theme, you know. Mm -hmm. So I haven't come up with the idea that I want to do for for a podcast when it comes to comedy yet. And maybe it'll never happen. Maybe. You know, maybe it's just been done and everyone's doing it and, you know, there's no reason to to go that way. You know, I've got the paranormal one that's going well. Maybe some other ideas will come to me, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, maybe one day I'll wake up and some light will go off and I'll be like, oh, here's a good idea for a podcast right. that no one's doing, you know, but it just seems like, you know, there's just a, a whole bunch of Mark Marins and Joe Rogan's out there right now and and not a lot of people trying different things yet that I've seen anyway. No, absolutely. Yeah, it's tough to stand out. Like we're doing, we started as a pro wrestling podcast. We're still doing that. We're doing comedy. Now we're doing martial arts. And it's like, I'm always looking for different ideas. Mm -hmm. It's just like, but it's hard to monetize it, man. Like, you know, we all have everybody that's yeah. involved in this podcast. Like we have jobs and we're paying the bills that way. But now any shows coming up? Oh, yeah. So I got lots of great shows coming up in the near future. July 22nd, I'm at uh, Pub 65 in New Bedford, Massachusetts with Chris Tab, who's uh, ridiculously funny. Friday the 23rd, I'm at Chamberlain Farms in Berkeley. Sounds like an outdoor show. I'm not sure what's going on with that one. The 31st, I'm at the East Greenwich, Rhode Island Fireman's Home for a fundraiser there. And a bunch of other shows. I'm going to be at the Comedy Scene at Gillette Stadium on August 21st. And then lots of other shows are coming. I know I just booked a bunch of shows uh, up in New Hampshire for uh, for the winter and, you know, more stuff coming, hopefully. Well, we're mostly out of the New England area up here, so uh, sounds pretty good. And yeah, yeah. Social media. Any uh, you want anything uh, you want to plug Instagram, Twitter? Yeah, well, you can find me on, on Facebook, Tom Stewart, R.I., and TomStewartComedy.com is my website. If you want to check out my paranormal podcast, it's MyParanormalStory.com. Or you can just search for My Paranormal Story wherever you, you know, wherever you hear your podcasts. It's on pretty much every channel. And, you know, that's pretty much it. On TikTok, I have a thing called New Food Friday, where every Friday I try something new that just came out in the stores. 
and uh, just do that for 60 seconds. In fact, I got to go film that in a few minutes. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, so silly things. That's keep what we yourself, do, right? Keep yourself busy. Yeah, I like it. I love it, man. Yeah. Well, hey, thanks for doing the show, and uh, we'll have you back out in the future maybe. Thank you so much, man. Yeah. Yeah, thanks for inviting me, man. I hope it was fun for you. Yeah, it was fun. Thank you, Tom. Appreciate you. All right, so that wraps us up for this week. Thank you again for listening to the Working Fans Podcast. So as always, you can find us on Twitter at Fans Working. Our Facebook page is Working Fans Wrestling Pod. We have email where you can reach out to us and let us know what you think also. That's Working Fans Wrestling Pod at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram, Working Fans Wrestling underscore pod. And then as always, please continue to listen to us on Anchor.fm, Google Podcast, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, all your major platforms. If you're following us on Apple Podcasts, which we are also on now, and YouTube, please make sure you subscribe and give us a five-star rating. It helps us bring you these podcasts where we get to talk to you and talk with you every week. 